Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. All right, Christy, a year ago this time, we had interviewed Jess Lowry after reading her book, Unspeakable Things. And just last month, it was named to Library Journal's Best Crime Fiction of 2020 list, and Goodreads had listed it as one of their top reads as well. Oh, man, it was such a good book. And now, happy to say the prequel is out, Bloodline. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a must-read book for 2021. What do you think? I absolutely would not be surprised. In fact, I expect it to be there. Wasn't Jess, in addition to a a great read, wasn't she so inspirational to talk to, Christy? Yeah, I I remember, um, I remember the one funny thing that she said when she said, but also inspirational, that she has to wrestle the monkey in her mind. (laughs) It's a good visual, right? Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, um, there's a reason she's a writing teacher as well as writer. Um, and you know, she talks about how she makes herself, uh, write 2000 words a day when she's drafting a manuscript. Oh yes. I mean, that is, that is something to strive for. And, um, it's such a great episode to revisit for all the tips she gave us. Yeah. For, for writers and for readers. Cause it's so great to listen to, mm-hmm. not to mention she shared box wine with us. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So we hope you enjoy this redux of our Corks and Conversation with Jess Lowry. I'm so pleased to be able to introduce Jess Lowry, a best-selling Agatha Anthony and Lefty Award-nominated author of crime fiction, magical realism, young adult, and nonfiction, a tenured professor of creative writing and sociology, a recipient of the Loft's Excellence in Teaching Fellowship, and a Psychology Today blogger. Jess also has an incredibly powerful TEDx talk where she speaks about the inspiration for her first published novel. And her latest release, like we said, is Unspeakable Things. And it's earned a number one spot in the U.S. and the U.K., So Jess, we are so happy you are available to talk to us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to drink wine with both of you. And (laughs) I love hearing people read my bio because mostly I sit at home in yoga pants and eat too much and play on a computer. So (laughs) so I think I sound pretty fancy when I hear people talk. You sound very good. Yes. We're not picturing the yoga pants right now. We're picturing, you know. I don't know, something much more professional. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I, I lied about yoga pants. It's just pajama pants. <laughs> <laughs> yoga pants are the dressed up version of, yes. of the pajama exactly. pants. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, so before we get too much into this conversation, Kathy, you're going to have to tell us about what wine we're drinking and chose for today. <laughs> okay, so this is great. So we always, you know, we pair um, mysteries and wine. And, and um, so we always ask our authors, you know, what, do you have a favorite wine or something that's, you know, inspired by your, you know, latest work or anything like that? And my favorite answer was Jess's to date because <laughs> she picked Bodabox 
<laughs> from Costco, which, by the way, when I saw that answer, I had it in my pantry. I yeah. had, so that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I had in my pantry. And I was like, that's right. We're going to get along great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I will tell you the tasting notes. So everyone okay. get, get your glass. And, and, All right. And, uh, I'm having a sip. Okay. So this is, this is the Boda Box Red Volution. Um, and it reveals rich aromas of black cherry, cocoa, and a hint of spice. Extending into lush flavors of dark fruit, cherry, and toasty oak, this smooth, full-bodied wine culminates into a juicy, well-balanced finish. <laughs> Just like your book. <laughs> it's actually a really good wine, and I you don't want it to be because it comes in a box, and it's so reasonably priced at Costco, but it's really good wine. Yeah. It is really good wine, and I... I still, I think, you know, obviously box wines are much more prevalent, but I still think there's some kind of like snotty, snooty, like, oh, it's a box wine, you know? Yeah. But like you well, said, it is really good. It says right mm-hmm. on mine, it says, um, it's a, f- a wine enthusiast best buy mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. It's got 30, 30 gold medals. <laughs> so that, That's what I want the medals in volume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is, I will say, that's the dangerous thing about boxed wine, though, is that, you know, with a bottle, you clearly know how much you've drank. But with a box, it's a little more mysterious. Well, I have to tell you that I I did not go to Costco. I got from my store Boda Mini. So it's a half. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah. So it's like, it's great for Florida, too, or probably anywhere. But like when we go to the beach or, you know. Anywhere where you want just something, not a big bottle of wine. So it's kind of cute. cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm enjoying it. Well, I've, I've heard that boxed wine uh, is fresher, too. That the, the, the way that they seal it up, it actually is a fresher tasting wine. So if you're somebody who doesn't drink a lot right away, it's a good way to go. Oh, there you go. And it screws right closed. <laughs> sure <And it's> a- <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Awesome. Well, I am I'm thrilled with your choice, Jess. Yes. I, yes. I completely it's, wholeheartedly. It's very agree. tasty. We both we both definitely love reds too. So um, Oh good. <laughs> so now that we've got our wine in hand, I'm gonna jump into some questions for you. Um, okay, so you have said when I write, I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time, and that is not a sensation to be wasted. But even though it's always satisfying, it's never easy. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, well, and thank you so much for choosing Unspeakable Things and reading it. I'm really, really proud of that book, and it is my 20th. It's my oh, 20th wow. book out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 19 of them are fiction, and then I have uh, a how-to, a nonfiction book. So 20 books out there, and it doesn't get any easier. It, um, <laughs> every single time I sit at the computer, every single time for 15 years now, I think that I can't do it this time. And so oh. I, it takes it takes anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour to I never get there during a single session to feel like I actually know how to write a book. And so I can say, I mean, I can physically look at the books that I've written and had published, mm-hmm. um, but I never, I never get that feeling. And I actually heard Charlene Harris talk once. And so you guys know Charlene Harris, right? And she, sure. she wrote yeah. mystery writer, romance writer, wonderful woman. At one point she had seven bestsellers on the New York Times bestseller list at a single point. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. 
I know she's wildly <clears throat> successful, and her her series was what the Sookie Stackhouse uh, HBO mm-hmm. series was based on. And I heard her speak once, and she said every single book she thinks they're going to figure out that she's a fraud, that we're all going to realize oh. she never knew how to write. And so I think it's I think it's every writer. There's just yeah, something it's an about insecurity pushing against thing, that. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm 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 one I'm on one hand absolutely thrilled to hear that 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 it, the feeling of that fear of coming to the to the page and to your work in progress every day is so hard even for people like yourself that have 20 books because mm-hmm. that makes me feel better but it also makes me feel like really it never gets any easier <laughs> I know right <laughs> Yeah it's, it's I think, kind of yeah. it's it's the price you pay I suppose when you're when you're drawing without lines right when you're creating mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. wasn't there before I think that's the price you pay Mhm Yeah that's great wow, that's, that's really interesting. interesting You know um Christy and I were talking earlier today too about your um how you um how you your writing schedule you how your description that you gave it it was like wrestling a monkey <laughs> and I thought that was such a great description and I just how did you come up with that image of wrangling that monkey you know I think that it, it was what I was trying to figure out meditation and there's a um there's a I think it comes out of India but the idea is that our brain is a monkey and yes. you have to, and within meditation, you can't wrestle them. Like you'll never win. You'll just be wrestling a monkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you're no. supposed to, yeah. you're supposed to instead just let it go and not fight it. But for writing, yeah. I need to win. And so I, I wrestle that monkey every time. And I used to uh, write a certain amount of time every day, let's say two hours, three hours, four hours. But mm-hmm. then I would just get really sort of, uh, I would daydream. I would do something I call research, but it was really surfing the internet. <laughs> yeah. And, and so now I have, a, I have a word count. I can't, once I'm, I'm in a project, I'm uh, after the outlining and before the editing, I write 2,000 words a day or I don't get out of the chair. Oh, oh wow. I'm a fast writer, but, it, but I think any yeah. amount, as long as somebody has a set amount, I think words work so much better than time when you're setting goals for yourself. So, so when you're editing, do you have like, yeah, do you have like a page or a chapter count that you have to edit? I do. I do usually about 50. My books are about 300 pages long. And when I get to the, and I edit as I write. And so when I, mm-hmm. when I get done with the, the first draft of the manuscript, hopefully it's got the biggest problems worked out and so when I get to that next stage of editing it's about 50 pages a day Hmm. wow yeah my my latest latest project which is the follow-up to unspeakable things though my editor did not like it and I oh I had to rewrite 60 percent of that and that took a lot longer Wow, that's so you're writing a, a follow up to Unspeakable Things? Sort of. It's sort of a, a prequel. So the the it's called Bloodline and it comes out this time next year and it's set in nineteen sixty eight in the same town and also based on a mystery that happened in Painesville, which was my hometown and, and also mm-hmm. what inspired Unspeakable Things. So it's a small town, it's got a lot of good people and it's got a lot of freaky things that happen. <laughs> wow. Well oh we're God. we're excited to read that then. Um for sure. And so in, in with Unspeakable Things, um, this is marketed as an adult book, even mm. though it's told from the point of view of a 12-year-old. And so I know you write both young adult and adult fiction. So how is your approach different? And did you ha- was it harder to try to write adult with a young protagonist like that? Right. And so with with Unspeakable Things, it was not a book I ever intended to write. I have so many other projects that I was going to work on, but it's based on 
what actually happened in, in Painesville, Minnesota in the 80s when a series of boys were abducted and released. And it culminated in 1989 with a very famous abduction of Jacob Wetterling, who was never released. And in 2016, so not that long ago, they they finally caught the guy hmm. who had done mm-hmm. all of that in Painesville in the 80s and who had abducted, and it turned out, who had murdered Jacob Wetterling. And so when that came up in 2016, I and all of my friends who had graduated from Painesville were sort of re-traumatized. I mean, obviously not like the families um, or the or the boys right. who had been abducted, but but just all the all the fear that we grew up in. And so I invited over a lot of people I graduated with, and we talked it out, and and we shared our experiences of growing up in that time. And and I just had to write that book, and I had to write that book from my age point of view mm-hmm. of that time. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually mm-hmm. really easy. It was just all the stuff I was scared of when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm scared now too. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it was a, yeah. It, it was, I think I could have a backpack of them because everyone I tell about it, they're like, I want to read that. I'm like, you have to. It's yeah. so, it, cause yeah. it's such a, um, I don't know. It's just, and I think in South Dakota, you know, we're not that far from you guys in Minnesota and that, um, a lot of, I mean, I, I'm probably very close to your age and I grew up hearing about this. I, I heard about this and I remember this still. And it's, um, you, I love your imagery also from the 1980s. It just takes us right back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so good. Yep. Yeah. I want to, yeah. I want to know what wine you guys drank for 19, was it Ripple or Boone's Farm? That you, that you <laughs> no, it wasn't Boone's Farm. Wine? It was close. <laughs> <laughs> It was Sutter Home White Zin. Well done. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I uh, I googled it, and, and the the number one best selling wine in 1980s was Sutter Home White Zinfandel, which, by the way, was found out by accident. The people at Sutter Home actually kind of fell into the White Zinfandel by an accident. So. Oh, interesting. Anyway, I did <laughs> not know that. From a... <laughs> we learn something <laughs> new every day about wine. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, well, you also write, you've written historical fiction, fantasy, mm-hmm. women's fiction, and um, <laughs> your fun Murder by the Month cozy mysteries. Um, yeah. So do you have a favorite genre or, and do you plan ahead or do you just say, okay, today I'm going to write a fantasy and then. (laughs) You know, my, my agent would love if I planned ahead and chose a genre. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. It makes, I'm really hard to market. Right. And so um, I'm really hard to market. And I've been told that a few times and that readers won't follow me, but my experience has been readers are really smart and they, they can tell by the cover what kind of book it is. And if they don't want to read a funny cozy, they won't pick up a murder by month mystery. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but if I have a favorite, favorite genre, I think, I think it's magical realism, which is what my book, the Catalan book of secrets was because it's all about really powerful women and really strong relationships with just a hint of magic, like uh, like cooking magic or being able to really sense somebody's emotions, just sort of a hint of magic. And I, I love that stuff. Oh, good. We'll have oh. to read that one, Kathy. That sounds fun. Yeah, now, <laughs> now I'm like, next on the To Be Read podcast. A new podcast. <laughs> Instead of mysteries, now we're talking magical realism. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you both have really big To Be Read piles. Oh, my God. Yes. 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 <laughs> but I'm trying. I'm working on... <laughs> Yeah, Christy's a far more prolific reader than I am, that's for sure. I think I have more time 
time on my hands. And plus, if I can't sleep, like, you know, I read your book in a day and a half or something, because, <laughs> you know, I just was like, all right, I'm up all night, I got to get to the end. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love hearing I, that. I'm, I'm sorry, I kept you up, but I'm glad it kept you up. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Great. I actually uh, lost my copy of, of your book because my mother already has taken it and I already have two of my employees with dibs on it. So but I will tell them to order their own copies. That's what we need nice. to do. Everyone there order you go. your own. There you go. And, and I do have an epilogue up on my website too. It, mm-hmm. it did not make it into the original version of the book and that, that was my choice. And now I kind of regret it. I'm going to see if I can get my uh, publisher to put it in a future edition. But yeah, there's a full epilogue that tells where everybody ended up. Yeah, that's that's so great. We, we have read that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we talked about it on our um, on our episode last week, and I I really found great satisfaction in that epilogue. I, yeah. I mean, I um, so I can see why you want to include it now because I really like. I really thought it was very. Um, a great culmination. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, as a writer, I did not want to include it, but then I realized as a reader, I would absolutely want that in there. And so it's not, you know, it's not my book anymore. It's out there, and the world gets it. And so I should, I should just have it in the book. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Jess, this is where we like to ask our authors what we call the question in a bottle. Um, it's just all kinds of random questions, um, kind of maybe the ones you might answer when you actually get to the bottle or a box of wine. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. sounds so fun. Okay, I'm ready. All right. I've got it here. Let's see. Where is the most relaxing place you've ever been? The most relaxing place I've ever been. You know, I think the southwest coast of Ireland. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I was just researching Ireland today. Were you? Which part? <laughs> well, the whole thing. I'm, I'm planning a trip for in the fall and I want to go. So I was like, so where, so in Southwest, okay, got to go there. Southwest. Yeah, you do, you do want to go there. <laughs> it's, it's something about, and, and all of Ireland is beautiful, but there's something about the Southwest corner, the, and I was there in August most recently. So it's the the bright green of the grass mm-hmm. and then the sky is really low like there's something about the clouds it's just really low and so you feel like you're under a big blanket the whole time and it's just this everything is a little bit brighter and it was super relaxing it was just the most comfortable place on earth I've ever, ever visited oh wow. wow so I'm planning on going and probably around August <laughs> so I'm gonna I'll probably oh, be emailing perfect. you can you tell me where exactly <laughs> yes please do I'm happy to share and the people are so lovely like everybody treats you like your family that they like. Oh, good. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. That's and an they important have to, clarification. Yeah, <laughs> right? not just family, but family. Right, and they must you like. tour, right? And they must see tourists all the time. But they're just—it just felt really genuine. And when you go pack or leave extra room in your suitcase for butter, because I have never tasted butter so good in my life. <laughs> I do I get Carrie Gold image. at home, so I, I love the image of Christy coming back with just a suitcase full of butter. That just makes me so happy. A separate butter suitcase. Oh, gosh, that um, is that's awesome. That is the great answer. What a great endorsement. Yes, for that area and perfect. How, how would the two of you? How would you two answer that question? What's the most relaxing place for you two? Mm. I have mine. Um, I. 
uh, my favorite place are the San Juan Islands off the coast of Washington. Oh, I've never been. It is absolutely my favorite place. Um, we, I've been there a, ha- a handful of times, and um, it is like I feel like I just slow down. And oh, nice! It just as that sensation of time standing mm-hmm. still a little, you know, more than it does regularly, and I, it's a just a beautiful place. How about you, Christy? Um, well, I'm pretty much anything like ocean related, but I guess, mm. you know, the most relaxing would be like Tahiti. Because <laughs> oh. I've been there before, oh, wow. like on a cruise, um, actually mm-hmm. a couple times because my ex was a um, work for a cruise line. So I got to go and it was just, just mountains next to the water and it's warm and I don't know. And then you can go diving oh. and see the, you know, mm. I, I like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They both sound amazing. Yes. Yeah. I'm leading a writing retreat in Wales in May 2021 at a residential library. And it looks like Hogwarts. It looks like Hogwarts. Oh, my gosh. With just thousands of books and bookshelves and old oak and fireplaces and rich red velvet. And there's rooms there so you stay in the library and you learn in the library and they have high tea and they have oh my gosh kathy are you just like dying over there i'm i am and i was just i i want i'm just completely speechless because i was my first question is how did you find this location yeah i was so i belong to a lot of travel listeners because i'm always looking for new places to lead these writing retreats and actually i think it must have been the huffington post did an article on it about four months ago and I thought no way does this place exist so I did some <laughs> deep re- deep research I checked in with people who had actually been there I talked to the the people who run it and it is it's real and so I set up two <laughs> back-to-back retreats and I think that's going to be my new most relaxing place oh wow okay so how did you get started in this retreat um thing yeah so I so I am currently a full-time writing professor in Minnesota and I put in my resignation, so I'm going to teach for one more year uh, and then write full-time. But So I've been teaching for 22 years, and about 15 years ago, I got started, uh, people started asking me to lead writing workshops, and, and of course, I loved to do it. it. It lined right up with the writing and the teaching, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of snowballed, and I, and I was getting asked to teach at writing retreats, and I thought, well, I could probably just take over the whole thing right. <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> because i'm of german descent and we like to just control things and so <laughs> and so i so i did some deep diving and i went into business with a woman who had already est- had established retreats and i love it i can only do you know three two or three a year right now but but i absolutely love them they're for women only and and when i lead writing workshops everybody's welcome but there's something about being with a group of women in a mansion or a residential library, or we were in Lake Tahoe at this beautiful villa in uh, August. There's something about being with a group of women in an amazing space that's just so empowering. Oh, wow. Hmm. I know. I agree, too, because I have taken trips with women, but not a writing retreat. So that sounds like perfect. Right? I've got like all kinds of ideas going in my head now, Kathy. We're going to be doing this stuff, too. (laughs) 
We're going to get Jess to be our writing it. expert. And uh, <laughs> right? Kathy will do the yoga. I'll do the cooking and we'll be, we'll yeah. be happy. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I can teach the yoga. I um, Jess, I did see that you're teaching one in St. Paul and I used to live in St. Paul. And as a matter of fact, my, I, the book I'm working on, I, um, a good portion of it takes place on Summit Avenue. And what? So I might I might be meant to be to come to that writing retreat. <laughs> right. And, and talk about a tax write-off. So what book are you working on? What's it about? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, Christy and I both have works in progress. Um, mine is an adult thriller and Christy's is a YA thriller. Yeah. So oh, nice. Um, I did I did see on your um, on your website on the writing retreat information you have kind of a tagline um that says travel balance and joy and i thought what a cool combination and you don't even mention writing in it so yeah how did that come about why did you pick yeah, those three because and so i think that in my experience people feel intimidated at the idea of saying they're writers if they haven't published anything that there's just something about saying you know i love to write i want to learn more about writing that for some reason people and and I get it. I was the same way. I, I treated writing like a dirty habit before, before I got published. <laughs> but then I got published, and it's like I had permission to be proud of it. So so I wanted it. I wanted people to just understand that it was going to be very relaxed, and that every every woman was welcome um, into the retreats because it is about balance. It is about about feeding our joy because I think that's where a lot of the writing comes from. Um, so yes, yeah, so the mornings are are devoted to writing, and then the afternoons are devoted to whatever people want to do. And, and oftentimes they form writing groups um, or they'll do some sightseeing or they'll just nap or they'll hang out by the pool if we have a pool. And so it's really, it's about, it's not just about writing. It's about sort of feeding your whole, your whole creative soul. Oh, that's nice. Wow. That's beautiful. And yeah, um, absolutely beautiful. Well, um, when you talked about um, being unpublished, like Kathy and I are trying to get published, um, <laughs> You said on your website that you um, received 423 rejection, rejections before you signed yeah. your first book contract. <laughs> and first, um, I admire your dedication. <laughs> That's such a nice way of saying how crazy were you? <laughs> well, well, this will tell I me. I admire your dedication. How, yeah, this will tell me how crazy you are. Did you count... Um, the number of rejections before or after you signed the book contract? <laughs> well, so, so it wasn't even, that was before I got an agent. There were even more rejections before I got a book contract. And it was, it would have, it would have been back in, I want to say 2004. And it was pre, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was pre, you could query agents on the internet. And so I had to actually go to the post office and so I just, oh, took, wow. kept, I, right. I kept track of how many envelopes went out and that's where I had the number 423. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And that's I a had lot had of stamps. Book. I know. Right. It was back when you had to actually lick stamps. <laughs> <laughs> this is some hard labor. Yeah. But I had had a, I had a book before that, that I had sent. It was my master's thesis, but it was a novel and I sent it out to 25 agents and, they all rejected it, and that would have been 1996. And so I decided, um, I decided this writing thing wasn't for me, right? I wasn't. This was, that was too much rejection. But 
come 2004 when I was ready to query again, I'm like, nothing's going to stop me this time. <laughs> well, is there any big standout piece of advice that you would give to us aspiring authors um, in our query process? You know, the so so I've gotten now I get to see it from the other side because so many of these workshops that I that I teach at, there's always agents there. And I always end up asking them everything because because we all want to know. So I ask I ask them what their secrets are. And the thing really, if I had one takeaway, is that they're um, they're just really honestly good people for the most part who want to support writers. And so it's okay to make some mistakes, right? Your query letter doesn't have to be flawless as long as, as long as you're giving them what they're asking for. And if, if it's not a good fit, that's all that it means. It doesn't mean your book isn't good. It just means it's not a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a nice way to look at it instead of taking it so personally, you know, that it isn't a, necessarily a personal affront on your writing or. Um, right. That, that, that it's hard like though. That's the whole author <laughs> yeah. insecurity. It is writing insecurity stuff. So it is mm-hmm. so hard not to take it personally, and it's also hard to find that balance between realizing if it is if it is you and not them. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> because then you have people saying, hard. "Oh, keep trying," and then you're like, "Oh, I don't right. know." <laughs> yeah, and I do. I hire uh, even now that I have. Uh, you know, an editor at my publisher, I still hire a freelance editor for every single one of my projects before I send it off, even if it's under contract. So I know it's going to be accepted no matter what. I still get an editor. And that's my second piece of advice for mm-hmm. querying is make sure it's the best book it can be. Now, when you say mm-hmm. you have an editor with you have a bunch of different um, genres, do you have different editors for each book? Or do you have you found one that just does everything for you? You know, there's so there's a really good mystery editor in Minneapolis, um, Terry Bischoff. She used to be an acquisitions editor for Midnight Inc., uh, the the mystery publisher before they closed. And so I do her for my mysteries, but everything else, I have an agent out in Portland. I'm sorry, uh, an editor out in Portland, mm-hmm. and she is phenomenal. She's written books about writing books, and she edits every. She knows the market for everything. She edits everything. Um, She's fantastic. Her name is Jessica Morell, M-O-R-R-E-L-L, and she's on Facebook. I recommend her to everybody. Well, great. Wow. That sounds wonderful. Thanks. That's a good plug. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Jess Lowry, we are so thrilled that we've gotten to talk to you today. This yes. has been so fun. Yeah, I've had a great time. Thank yeah. you so much for inviting me. Oh, wait. Before we go, though, we have one final question. To appease all our mysterious foodies out there, those are our listeners, Um, we like to ask all our authors, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with, and what would it be? Oh, that is such a great question. I have never had that question before. Can I have several answers? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So so in the Catalan Book of Secrets, one of the women is an amazing book. Mm-hmm. And I and I her name is Belda, and I would like to have a meal with her just because she's such a good cook. Um, but otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to say Mira James from the Murder by Month Mysteries because mm-hmm. she loves tater tot hot dish, and I love tater tot <laughs> hot dish. <laughs> like a good Minnesotan, I bring in the low rent. Yeah, it's such a low rent mix yeah. <laughs> that I have. No, that's great. That's great. It is. Oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> well, if our if our listeners um, have any more questions about your latest book or you or your writing retreats, how should they go about finding information? 
I have a website at jessicalowry.com, so J-E-S-S-I-C-A-L-O-U-R-E-Y.com, and I have a contact form there. Otherwise, my email is jessicalowry at gmail.com. Great. Thanks. Thanks again to bestselling author Jess Lowry. And if you haven't read her latest book, Unspeakable Things, go out and get it. It's a great read. Right now. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and listen and listen to our last episode for book club ideas to go with it. And now I think we can say we've enjoyed this wine. So let's say cheers. Cheers. Thanks for joining us on today's adventure. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.